I love it. I also want to touch on it, so I'm not. I'm also want to do it, so I'm not gonna give any spoilers. But geez, Louise, that was a great movie. Yay! Woo! All right, you won your round. Um, <laughs> really quickly though, um, before I get to my movies, I just want to say that I 100% agree on the First Street trilogy. Holy okay. shit! It gave it me everything fantastic. I needed. I love that the the last in the trilogy was like a nice like bow on the story arc that we got. Um, Obsessed. Obsessed. But we'll save our like details for when we actually cover it because I'm pretty sure it's in our future. <laughs> but let's do my 60 second review. Ready, three, two, review. Okay, so I'm gonna start with, I actually did watch Freaky as well. So I'm gonna start with that <laughs> That's one. That's so cool. <laughs> I know, uh, I had heard nothing but good things. Um, Umbi kept telling me to watch it and we finally had the time this weekend. And so we watched it and I was not let down. I loved all the, I don't want to get you into the details because we want to cover it, but the, the campiness, dark comedy aspect of it, I loved. Um, we also watched Luca this weekend, which is not horror related, but it is a touching queer, I want to call it, uh, animation movie. It's very sweet. Oh, it like, it made me feel things as many as like every single Pixar movie will. Um, I highly recommend you go out and watch it. And then lastly, we watched The Hunt. The oh. Hunt, if y'all have not seen it, it's got the amazing Betty Gilpin. That's all I'm gonna say. Like political, dark comedy, absolutely. Go out and watch it, it's streaming. Ding, 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 ding. Wow. Woo! Wow, look at us go. That's some sharp shooting there, bud. <laughs> I uh, the I have not seen The Hunt. It is on my list. It's because of HBO Max. It's because of HBO Max for you too, right? What do you mean? That you're watching like The Hunt and you're oh, yeah. watching Freaky. Mm -hmm. Well, I had already seen HBO Max, or sorry, I had already seen <laughs> The Hunt prior, but Richard hadn't. And I, I, uh... for some reason I thought I watched it with him. I don't remember who I watched it with. What other side um... piece were you out with? I don't know, there's so many. Uh, <laughs> but so I finally sat him down Friday night and we watched The Hunt. He was not let down because Betty Gilpin. She's amazing. Oh my God. If you loved her in Glow, she just like knocks that shit up like five notches in The Hunt for me. And Hillary Swank. Hillary Swank's oh, in it. Emma Roberts. It's a stacked gas. Emma Roberts is in that. You know what? I'm probably gonna. Sp I'm off the next couple of days, and tomorrow's gonna be a lazy day. I gotta line up all of my shows, all of my movies, <laughs> and just it's really good. Myself. I honestly, you're probably gonna want to cover it for the pod after you watch it. So, give ooh, it a watch. I like that. This is great, but we're gonna have to move on to this week's movie. The Carpenter Queens are wanting to go to, you know, a nice tropical paradise where we can learn about a wildlife park, you know, beyond our wildest dreams. And we're going to learn about some dinosaurs. So this week we are venturing to the island of Isla Nublar and talking about 1993's Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. The most phenomenal discovery of our time. How'd you do this? Becomes the greatest adventure of all time. 
Sure. Universal Pictures presents. You feel that? Hold on to your butts. A Steven Spielberg film. Fences are failing all over the park. Yeah, that's nice. Gotta go. An adventure. Look out! Down! I can't get Jurassic Park back online. 65 million years in the making. Jurassic Park. Listeners, you can stream and watch this Dino Roaring Adventure. It is only available to stream with purchasing or renting, unfortunately. Uh, it was on Netflix, Netflix for a hot for minute, our, right? All three of them um, were on there for a hot minute. Yeah, because I, I tried to just stream it rather than having to dig through my uh, DVDs because I only have it on DVD, I realized. And it wasn't streaming. And I was kind of annoyed because I had to dig through my fucking alphabetized movies that Richard made me alphabetize. Um, <laughs> and then oh, I was even was more me. annoyed. I was more annoyed to find that I only owned it on DVD because, bitch, when I popped it in and watched it, <laughs> it looks terrible. <laughs> I have mine on special edition Blu-ray. Thank you very much. But I highly suggest renting it. Please, 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 please. If you've never seen this, I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't what believe it. What is wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Before we begin, 420, what you smoking? What did you pair with this week's watch? Oh, we finally have, I finally have something new shit, bitch. Finally. <laughs> I'm not just working on my stash. Uh, we picked up from our local grower, Canadike, and we got some sativa. Well, more so their their hybrid sativa dominance. Mm. And so we picked up some uh, papaya and uh, shocting. Ooh, that papaya is absolutely calling my name. Oh, what a great way for like, this tropical setting. And you're like, you know mm-hmm. what? Some, <laughs> some guava. So queer, matching as always. Capping. Capping. So funny because I did the same thing. <laughs> yes. I smoked some tangy today. I always go to tangy whenever I want to like feel good in a movie. And this movie is such a feel good movie. As weird as that sounds to say, we're like, <laughs> The, the terrifying moments in this movie. Yeah, aside from the, you know, terrorizing dinosaurs that are killing people, it's a feel-good movie. <laughs> that everyone could watch. <laughs> it's got something for grandma and the kids. P- put a pin in that, because I'm going to actually argue that. But whatever. It's time to cadaver this movie open. This week's movie is Jurassic Park. Released June 11th, 1993. Um, for some reason, I thought it was 1992. I wanted to say 92. I wanted to too, and I kept getting corrected. I legit had watched like ev- as much as I could on any special feature. So I was like, I don't know. Maybe it's like a Mandela effect because I felt the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, with a runtime of two hours and seven minutes. You know, I didn't realize how long this mo- movie is. And it, it kind of feels like in it, and it kind of doesn't. Uh, am I the only one? No, I fully agree. And I think it's in, I think I know what moments that I can pick out that you feel like it it dips and this week's taglines please read them because the majority of these are so iconic to me and i enjoy honestly a good handful of these yes these are iconic taglines for an iconic movie an adventure 65 million years in the making Uh. life finds a way the park is open unleash the beast 
the most phenomenal discovery of our time becomes the greatest adventure of all time. Like, slow clap on that. Like, for the most part, I feel like uh, an adventure 65 million years in the making was their most prominent and used tagline. And <sighs> what I find fascinating, and I so want to talk about these taglines really quick because I really didn't talk about marketing because this literally created dinosaur kids because of this movie. You're an exact uh, example of that. But Guilty. the poster is. But it's somehow both iconic and perfection, and I don't know how they did it. And I, I know it's because Steven Spielberg's name was on it. The iconic, the like, the imagery of the skeleton T Rex with just Jurassic Park and a black poster, that takes balls. You guys had a lot of confidence in this movie, rightfully so. I'm not mm -hmm. gonna argue that. But geez, like that marketing still is ingrained in my brain. I think. Steven Spielberg is very smart. He's a very smart man, especially when it comes not only to filmmaking, but marketing, because I think he knew that less is more. And so he knew that this film was already packing a heavy punch that he didn't need all the glitz and the glamour of a big movie poster being like, hey, come watch my movie because less is more. So when you show the audience less, I'm like, ooh, what is that? Dinosaurs, mm -hmm. a Jurassic Park by Steven Spielberg. Mm -hmm. I want to see that. Boom. <laughs> but let's move into our breakdown. This is our second film directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Michael Crichton, as well as David Cope. We're going to talk about Michael in a second, but I adore the book. I remember reading this. I remember mm -hmm. you introducing me to this book mm -hmm. because Borders had the cool like cover on the mm -hmm. I still have it. It's one, of my, <laughs> it's one of my favorite books and book covers. But this film stars, spoiler alert, the cast is stacked and also extremely attractive. Oh, I know. Sam Neill as Dr. Alan Grant, Laura Dern as Dr. Ellie Sattler, and she is not, not going to be poor. <laughs> <laughs> yes! This is a Laura Dern appreciation podcast, <laughs> and you are going to hear all about it this episode, bitch. Continuing on, Jeff Goldblum as Dr. Ian Malcolm. Bounce. Dr. Daddy wow. Ian Malcolm. Jesus Christ, this was totally my sexual awakening. I think this was my sexual awakening. Are, are, <laughs> hold on, I feel like this is an Oprah-like sit-down moment. And when was your sexual awakening? When I saw Jeff Goldblum laid out on the slab shirtless and Ugh. glistening oh. and it's the oh. wrist for me it's and the he wrist. also had the little bit of like hair on his chest and i don't even mind the mullet because the texture of his hair is so gorgeous <laughs> and when he wears glasses oh honey it's over i flood he my basement <laughs> oh my god he has aged gracefully beautifully Christ on still a cracker, hit it. still hit it. And he's second, and he's totally like my style icon. Always so dressed goth. to the nines, goth chic, very <laughs> goth chic. He's always all in black with some big black rim glasses. It's totally my aesthetic. You're literally wearing it right now. <laughs> like I said, I think we've talked about Jeff Goldblum for a minute, and I'm sorry, listeners, but we're probably gonna continue this counter. This is a Jeff Goldblum appreciation podcast. <laughs> It's a dual Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Moving on. Richard Attenborough as John Hammond. Bob Pack as Robert Muldoon. Joseph Mazzello as Tim Murphy. Ariana Richards as Lex Murphy. Samuel L. Mother 
Jackson <laughs> as Ray Arnold, Wayne Ow. Knight as Dennis Nedry, Martin Ferrero as Donald Gennaro, B.D. Wong as Dr. Henry Wu, Jerry Molin as Dr. Harding, Cameron Thor as Dotson. We've got Dotson here. Wow. <laughs> and Greg and Greg Burson as the voice of Mr. DNA. And I had to include it because he's honestly some of my favorite parts. Honestly, it, he's funny. iconic. And yes. he, a lot of us grew up knowing Mr. DNA as Mr. As John Hammond calls him. He says DNA very funny in the movie. And okay. for some reason, it always stuck out in my head because it bothers me. But he it bothers says, me. Sir, this bothers me. <laughs> IMDb gave it an 8.1 out of 10. Metacritic gave it a 68 out of 100. Rotten Tomatoes, they got a 92% on the tomato meter and a 91% audience score. I Jesus think this is Christ. The highest for both. I was just about to say, I think this is the highest we've ever seen on both ends. Can we talk about Metacritic though? I feel like that's, am I the only one that's like, huh, that's pretty low. By this point, I don't even, we might as well leave Metacritic off the list from now on because they don't well, mean shit to me. <laughs> Metacritic is all the critics like gradings pushed into one and that is the average out of all of them that's low it is surprisingly low i feel like there was like critics that really praised it and then there was other critics that just shit on it for whatever reason and that was the average they got our box office our opening weekend gross of 47 million in its original theatrical run it grossed over 912 million dollars by now it's well across the billion dollar mark especially since it's done the cool re-releases in theaters mm -hmm. and things like that the film would become again a trend for spielberg as being the highest grossing film at that time it wouldn't be dethroned until james cameron's titanic in 1997. Damn, bitch. Mm -hmm. Steven Spielberg just like upping himself. Raising the bar yet again and doing it flawlessly. Uh, the, the receipts are there. Moving on to production with a whopping budget estimated to be 63 million patent pending. Patent pending, patent pending. <laughs> this money was extremely well spent because I need to ask you, how, does the, how do these effects still hold up for you? They hold up great, in my right? opinion. For a movie that came out in 1993, the, that technology and like the computer power of 1993, I think these graphics hold up very well. Uh, granted, this day and age, like you've seen with the Lost World series now, Jurassic World, sorry. Obviously, they have the power to do even much better animation. But I think these... I think it holds up and I think it holds up because it's a good mixture of animation that held up along with animatronics that were really, really well done by the amazing, I know you wrote it down here. Are you talking about the physical effects? Stan Winston. Yeah, Stan Winston, thank you. The amazing Stan Winston. We're gonna talk about them in a second, but I just have to ask because with all, I'm not even gonna call them faults. I'm not even gonna like, I'm very aware there's blatant like story plot holes in this movie. We'll talk about that in a second. Even with all of its quote unquote like cons against it, this movie is fucking fantastic. I still love this movie just as much as I loved it when I was a kid. Same here. I don't know if anybody here knows it or not, but I never outgrew my dinosaur phase as a child. <laughs> So vulnerable. Uh, my, my Instagram proves that I'm still that kid. Um, uh, so seeing this movie was like, 
like mm-hmm. epic for me and it still is epic for me like i still adore this entire series same um do you remember like your first time watching this movie because how old were you when this movie came out five you were five that's like the prime time to watch something like this to be quite honest yeah. i know that there's elements to this that are terrifying that which is why we're talking about it I would consider this horror. I would consider this a gateway horror film, if we're being Mm -hmm. very honest. I think it's a very, (laughs) lack of a better term, family-friendly horror film for, like, everybody to watch. Because I watched it, we both watched this as kids. And yeah, yeah, I was terrified. And there's moments even still where I'll hear something and there's an an initial reaction. (laughs) (laughs) This is a family-friendly creature feature, if you will. Yes, yes. Yes, perfectly put. I want to say I didn't see, I don't (laughs) think I saw this in theaters. I don't think I saw it until it was out on home video, but I can tell you I wore the shit out of that VHS tape. (laughs) That VHS tape was worn to bits. I just, it holds this very special place in my heart. Let's move into our production for the script. The film would be based off of Michael Crichton's novel, Jurassic Park. But before the publication of the novel, Steven Spielberg would learn about Crichton's work when they would work together to develop the TV series ER. I was not aware of that. (laughs) I didn't know that either. That's amazing. I didn't, I never watched ER, but go George Clooney. (laughs) With the Caesar haircut. So rightfully so, before the book was even published, Crichton demanded a non-negotiable fee of $1.5 million for the film rights and percentage of the gross. Yes. Get your coins, sis. Get every last one of your coins, sis. But due to the fact that everyone was aware that this material was hot, it sparked one of my favorite things in the world. A bidding war! <laughs> Warner Brothers, Tim Burton, Columbia Pictures, and even 20th Century Fox tried obtaining the rights, but all of them would fail in comparison to the juggernaut that is Universal. Universal would claim the rights for Spielberg to direct, and t- together they struck a deal, and Spielberg could finally do Schindler's List if he did Jurassic Park first. We're going to mention their timeline because Jurassic Park's post-production was right in the center of Schindler's List filming. So while Spielberg was filming in Poland, he still had pre-production up to four to five times a week through just calls of how post-production was going and all of the animation afterwards. I couldn't even like fathom having to juggle both of those because those are extremely drastically different films. (laughs) they really are and they did it so flawlessly that i can't tell that either of them suffered that is that is i'm impressed color me impressed bitch i those are two major major motion pictures that he juggled simultaneously it's spielberg i don't know what else to say kudos bitch Spielberg, inspired by Godzilla, King Kong, and wanting to quote, I was really just trying to make a good sequel to Jaws on land. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is what it is. He's not lying. He's not lying. He's just trying to surpass what Jaws did. And bitch, does he? Bitch, did he? Because he was like, I'm not going back in the water, bitch. We're not (laughs) making another water movie. Wanting to have a full sense of realism, to have the dinosaurs be treated as animals rather than monsters, Steven Spielberg began the process of creating the massive scale of special effects that the film would require. Over the course of the next few years, the film would enter pre-production. 
a two-year pre-production process. In order to bring the extinct beasts to life, Spielberg would first try to hire Bob Gurr. Bob was famous for creating the giant mechanical King Kong for the Universal Studios Hollywood King Kong encounter. I miss huh? that animatronic so much. R.I.P. to a great one. Oh. Um, <laughs> pour one out. Okay. And it, it is scorched, like not just that, it scorched half the backlog, bitch. But let's like go off to like unsolved mysteries. Do, 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 do. Thank you. How many let's times expose. is that? Ex- yes. ex- okay. Do you want to explain? Because you're very good at yes. universal history. So I uncovered on Twitter. Somebody else uncovered it. I just read about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> these fires are like a a tradition at Universal Studios. Like there's been a fire once, I want to say every like 10 or 15 years. And it's always like a very tragic fire where they lose like an entire soundstage, parts of the theme park, um, an entire prop department, whatever it is, it's always a massive fire. And this has happened, I'm not even joking. It had to happen at least three times over the past like two or three decades. And I'm just like, does nobody else see this? Are we they not made talking deal about with the this? devil? This is some Fear Street sacrifices sound set in order for us to have continued happiness, whatever. <laughs> it's a it's a strange anomaly that always just we're on to Universal. Watch. We're gonna wind up dead next week because we expose their asses. I know. <laughs> Initially, Spielberg wanted full life-size scale dinos. This would be deemed too expensive, too massive, and just not too convincing. I love like the enthusiasm, but yeah. <laughs> wanting to film a bronchiosaurus in real time is uh, okay. <laughs> Brachiosaurus, Jackie. Brachiosaurus. Brachiosaurus. Also, this ain't AT, Steven. Like we can't just like slap on a little puppet on a bicycle and run off with it. Also, like I thought we learned from Jaws, like. <laughs> oh no, I know. But I, like we said, we're practical queens and we appreciate the enthusiasm. But like moving forward, like I, I think we reach a nice middle ground between special effects and practical effects. Oh, absolutely. This would be when the production would bring on Hollywood's heavyweights in the world of special effects. They brought in Stan Winston to create animatronic dinosaurs, Phil Tippett to create go motion dinosaurs for long shots, and Michael Lantieri for on-set effects, and Dennis Murin of Industrial Light and Magic to do digital compositing. These are the heavyweights at the top of their game doing all of this. And Mm -hmm. I cannot praise it enough because every time I see that giant T-Rex animatronic, I still like am in amazement and just like same. What? What? I love that they created, they still went ahead and created these huge, like the T-Rex puppet, the T-Rex foot when it goes down into the mud. the t- uh, not the T-Rex, the uh, Triceratops. There's so many great animatronics in this movie, along with the great special effects from Industrial Light and Magic, which is George Lucas's special effects company. Due to this movie, we would get a rippling effect. George Lucas would then go on to try and do Star Wars. Peter Jackson, inspired by all of the wonderful special effects, went on to do Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating to see that how is how Spielberg was so capable of understanding film that he was on the pulse before the pulse was even a process. And he used all this and hello, hello, hello. Started now, a trend. The, 
hello, there's digital everything nowadays and it's annoying as shit sometimes. But this, this was a great start. Yeah, this is an amazing start because it was a good balance. We're gonna go back to that balance. In order to have the dinosaurs as realistic as possible, the production would bring paleontologist Jack Horner to supervise the designs. One Nick's design was the raptors having lizard-like flicking tongues. I remember that. I think I saw that yeah. in Behind the Futures and it didn't look, it looked snake-like. Yeah, I get it because when people looked at these designs of dinosaurs, you would imagine, li no, just no. That's all I have to say. Well, no. they thought they were reptiles, but this is where like Dr. Grant would come in and be like, no, they're actually more closely related to birds than they are reptiles. Have you seen what what they think dinosaurs might look like now? The feathers? The regalia, darling. Beautiful. I know. Beautiful. It's like um, a peacock. Oh! Oh! <laughs> we are going to pretend we didn't hear that. Moving on. For the creatures like the raptors and T-Rex, for the creatures like the raptors and the T-Rex, Phil Tippett did create stop-motion animatics from storyboards Spielberg had put together. The end result from these filmings were eventually deemed unsat unsatisfactory for the live-action feature film. I did see these, and I agree 100%, and I'm glad they didn't put it in, because it looked too much like those old-school dinosaur movies that were like the claymation stop-motion ones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was close. It just wasn't... It just wasn't there. It wasn't refined enough to match like what they were shooting like live action wise. That makes sense. This, however, would push for ILM animators to prove they could create realistic moving dinosaurs coming to life using computer generated graphics. Animators Mark Tepay and Steve Williams would create mock renderings to show the team. When Spielberg and Tipper saw the animation of a T-Rex chasing a herd of Gallimimus, a famous line was stated. Spielberg said, you're out of a job to tip it. To which you replied, don't you mean extinct? The line was then used in the film. And it's one of my, well, anything Jeff Goldblum says is my favorite. And, and of Same. course his character would deliver this line. Smart ass. <laughs> <laughs> we love to see it. The film would then move forward with use of animatronics, live special effects and computer imagery, which had not been used nor seen up until this point. It would revolutionize the way special effects would be used in film moving forward. Hello, Steven Spielberg, just like breaking boundaries yet again. I'm not trying to sit here and praise like white cis male directors. <sighs> it's just that Steven Spielberg kind of, you know, did do He did the damn things. thing. He did yeah. the damn thing. <laughs> he did what, what needed, needed to, to be, be done. done. For casting, William Hurt was originally offered the role of Alan Grant, and at one point, Harrison Ford had been offered the role. I what? I I just want to take a pause on that because I could I can't imagine Harrison Ford. I want to see Harrison Ford because, <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it's Sam Neill. Sam Neill would be cast mm -hmm. three to four weeks before filming actually began, so his turnaround was fantastic, and I love. He's Dr. Grant. I will forever yes. see him as Dr. Grant. Yes, yes, yes. I agree. Sam Neill for always and forever will be Dr. Grant to me. Um, I can see why they considered Harrison Ford, um, especially Spielberg after working with him on Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think, and call me out if you want to, I just don't think that Harrison Ford would have had quite the character arc that Sam Neill did as far as the children go. I mean, I can totally see that. I think what's not it for me is that Harrison Ford would have, I wouldn't have been able to feel like, oh, Dr. Grant. It would have just felt like, oh, Harrison Ford's on the big screen. You know what I mean? He's <laughs> too big been, of a name. 
It would have been a dinosaur movie with Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> ah, <laughs> careful, that's probably going to be the fifth movie. <laughs> ah! Jim Carrey was also in talks for Ian Malcolm at one point, but they decided to go with Goldblum, and <laughs> I'm so glad they did. Yeah, same. Jim Carrey, all tea, all shade, would have stolen the movie. And it, it would oh. just would have been too much. I think, like, yeah, his character would have been too much. I could see that. I can absolutely say that. Uh, Joe Mazzello had screen tested for a role in Hook, but was deemed too young, but was promised by Spielberg that they would work together on a future film. And <laughs> he's adorable. He's adorable. He was me at that age. Um, <laughs> you wish. He's adorable. Ew, <laughs> you. Um, he's adorable. I love his character in this movie. Finally, Laura Dern was Spielberg's first choice for the role of Ellie Sattler. Even though they did audition other people, she was still the first. How flattering to be like a director's first choice as oh, a character in their movie. Apparently he did the same thing for Wayne Knight as Dennis Nedry. He had watched Basic Instinct and he's quoted saying, I waited until the end credits to make sure I wrote his name down. I was like, oh, that's <laughs> sweet. That's really nice. Moving on to filming. Filming would begin after a lengthy 25 month pre-production on August 24th, 1992 on the Hawaiian island of Kauai. Filming at this location would take place over a three week period. The exterior of the visitor center was a large facade constructed on the grounds of the Valley House Plantation Estate in Kauai, with the opening scene being shot in Haiku on the island of Maui, and additional shots from the Forbidden Island of Nihau. Oh, brother, this guy stinks! Having to work with the elements on September 11th during filming Hurricane Iniki, Gonna, I'm gonna go with that. Would pass through the island, costing one day of shooting, but the storm would be used for several of the storm scenes in the movie. So take that, Mother Nature. Look at Steven Spielberg learning. No, you thought this is the second time he did that, just like in Jaws with that footage they got of the shark attacking the cage. And now he used this crazy, uh, what was it? Hurricane. Hurricane that swept through the island. He's like, bitch, we're going to use this footage. <laughs> there was also a lengthy death scene, apparently, for Samuel Jackson's character. His character was originally planned to be chased and killed by raptors, but the set was unfortunately destroyed by said hurricane, which is why we get like a super random quick like showing of his death. You know, I never really like thought much about it until like really dissecting this movie. And I was like, wow, Samuel Jackson, a big actor, got this off death screen, off death screen, off screen death. <laughs> Words, we know them. From here, the film would relocate to California on the infamous Universal Studios backlot by mid-September, as well as shooting on location at the Red Rock Canyon in Montana. At the Universal backlot, they would film the Raptor kitchen scene, the parks labs, the control room, and shooting the T-Rex's infamous attack scene. Shooting proved to be difficult for Stan Winston's animatronics. Wanting to shoot in the rain, the foam rubber skin used on the animatronic would quickly soak up all the water. Miscalculating the machine's new weight, the water would cause the dino to shake and quiver, forcing Winston's team to use towels and chamois between takes to dry to dry off the machine. And I actually, I saw the behind the scenes on this and it's great. I love it because I'm sure like Stan Winston told Steven Spielberg, like we can't shoot in the rain. We can't get these things wet. You're gonna have to cheat it because these aren't built for that. And Steven's like, okay, so guys, turn on those rain machines. <laughs> All of them. How many gallons do we have? No turn more. on the fans too. Oh, what a hurricane up in this bitch. But legitimate, you hit it on the nose. Originally, it was just meant to be shot in the dark. 
But of course, no, we want all of this. We want the storm. We need this. But I think the storm elements just add this whole new level of dread and it makes the island terrifying. As much mm-hmm. of a pain in the ass as that was, it's one of my favorite scenes and legitimately still makes me a little scared every time I watch him attack that car. Worth it. Worth it. Fuck those kids. We're going to talk about that because these kids go through the fucking ringer. Yes, they do as they should. (laughs) (laughs) One of the film's most famous gags is the rippling effect appearing in the glass of water before the T-Rex attack. This scene was inspired when... I love the story, but it's so funny to me. This scene was inspired when Spielberg listened to Earth, Wind, and Fire in his car, and the vibrations in the bass caused his rearview mirror to shake. What do you think it was? Do you remember? 21st of September! Stop it. Get some help. (laughs) I find it so funny that that's what he was listening to. Anyway, wanting this created, he put his crew to work. It was achieved by attaching a guitar wire through the car's headboard into the ground. Someone underneath had to just pluck and create the infamous water ripples. This is also a pain in the ass for the special effects team because they were trying for months trying to figure Mm -hmm. this gag out. Literally the night before it was figured out. So first of all, Steven Spielberg has great taste in music. (laughs) Secondly, I love, first of all, this is an iconic, iconic scene. And we'll break it down when we actually get to it. So I don't want to dwell on it too much, but I love that. Yes, this is a great inspiration. And and it it was obviously an iconic scene in the movie, but I love that Steven Spielberg is like, we have to get the scene in this movie. I have this idea. I have this vision in my head. We have to do it. And the team could like, and it's, it always happens this way. The simplest tasks that you try to get done on film always ends up being the fucking most difficult. Bitch, you can't make a little glass of water vibrate. Wanting to up the climax, Spielberg changed the original ending of Dr. Grant using a platform machine to maneuver a raptor into a fossil of the T-Rex's jaws. We now have our new ending of the T-Rex saving our protagonist. This is not uncommon on Spielberg's sets of like, you know what, this is what we're gonna do now. And then we're gonna do this now. But it has to be stated, I do still think that the computer animation at the end of the movie still holds up for me, especially Mm -hmm. compared to a lot of movies nowadays where it's all computer generated but this was only achieved because by now at this point of the production, they were like, they felt more comfortable with animation. I couldn't imagine at the beginning, like, hey, we want to change everything. <laughs> I know, right? The whole finale is going to be computer generated. But I agree. I agree. I think the imagery still holds up and I actually like the new ending. I think the, the original ending could have been a little anticlimactic. And I think mm-hmm. even though it's kind of unfeasible that the T-Rex made it into the building without causing one sound. There's a lot of unfeasible things in this, okay? <laughs> but we'll uh, get to them. I, the, this ending is much more satisfying. It is much more satisfying. And then the film would wrap 12 days ahead of schedule and on November 30th of 1992. This pure production and production was ridiculous. Post-production took another how many months? This was released in June, so six months? Mm-hmm. Jeez Louise, this production is ridiculous. It took a total of three years to do this. I mean, shows. Look, yeah, <laughs> it still holds up. It's 2021 and it still holds up in our opinion. Post-production, in order to create the dino noises, sound designer Gary Wrightstrom would create the noises by mixing animal sounds, rain, gunshots, and even car crashes. 
mixing multiple species to create the noises for each dinosaur species. And last, but definitely not least, we have to know John Williams' epic score to this film. Williams has stated that he felt the need to write, quote, pieces that would convey a sense of awe and fascination. And bitch, did, does he do that with every single movie that they score? It's iconic. And like you said, Universal has him to thank for their theme park soundtrack. Because that's literally like every every part of the park you go to, they're playing a John Williams score. It has to be. This soundtrack is literally its own character. And I every time I hear it, especially when I watch it, have you ever seen this on the big screen? No, I don't think I have. I would highly suggest it. I've seen it once. I saw um, Jurassic World on the big screen. Who Chris Pratt's at. Anytime you can watch a Jurassic Park film, on the big screen, highly suggested. But speaking of the movie, let's get to it after these commercials. Welcome back to Mari Povich, Queers or Steers, you make the decision. <laughs> <laughs> Our story begins with a title card. We then head to a small island 120 miles off the coast of Costa Rica, Isla Nublar. A construction crew attempts at unloading a large metal container, a dangerous and unseen creature within. During the process, a creature escapes and captures one of the workers. Mass panic erupts and the crew attempts at saving their co-worker. Shooter! Shooter! <laughs> I love that shot. I love that shot. As gunshots are heard, we fade to our next scene. That is quite the opening, to be honest. It is quite the opening. I. Th this is a great way to set up just like this terrifying fear of whatever the hell is inside that box. Because we only get, I think, shots of the raptor's eye. And mm -hmm. it's enough to fuel my kid nightmares for years. Yeah, it's it's great imagery because it's in this like metal crate and you can hear the noise it's making. You can just hear it like making all these crazy noises and then it sucks in the worker and attacks him. And the, the shooter, shooter is just, it vibrates with you. This movie has so many iconic lines and Maldoon, the character, has I think two of my favorites. <laughs> shooter and one of the ones at the end is also my favorite. Yes, I already know which one you're gonna get to. <laughs> yes! We then jump forward to an amber mine in the Dominican Republic. Mano de Dios amber mine. All I can think of is, uh, lavate las manos. Please tell me you know where that's from. Lavate las manos chicos! I know exactly what you're talking about. We meet with Donald Gennaro, an InGen representative, and we learn that the death of the construction worker has raised serious concerns about the safety on the island. The owner of the island is now seeking top scientific experts in the field to help endorse the park. While Donald speaks to the man in charge of the mind, his crew finds a large chunk of amber with a preserved mosquito inside. This is where you think it's boring, don't you? A little bit. Uh, like you go from this like epic opening to this like it jumps. It just jumps it from does. like boom, now we're here, and then we even jump to another place. So it's a little jarring like to do that from the jump. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, I still love it. Um, I love when the lawyer's coming over on the raft and the <laughs> the guy just says in English, like, I bet you five bucks that he falls in the water. <laughs> the fuck does that mean? The parts that are boring for me, I don't even want to say boring. The parts that dip for me are 
the parts where like there's a majority of a lawyer there, and then after that, <laughs> <laughs> all tea, all shade, all tea, all shade. It's. I think you're right about the juxtaposition of it, but this movie balances a lot of different storylines in multiple different places. I didn't really realize it until this watch of how many balancing acts of people on this island are happening. And Spielberg does it fucking fantastically. It is it flawlessly that he still kept the attention of children, so. Right? You've made an excellent point. <laughs> At an excavation site in Montana, we are introduced to Dr. Alan Grant and his assistant paleobotanist, Ellie Sattler. They are slowly uncovering the fossilized remains of a velociraptor with new technology. Dr. Grant appears hesitant about the new technology, but seems fascinated with the image it produces, even without digging. He explains the long-held theory among paleontologists that dinosaurs evolved more from birds than reptiles. In chimes the young boy who scoffs off unimpressed with the theory and states, That doesn't even look very scary. Looks more like a six-foot turkey if you ask me. What is wrong with this kid? No, like, what is wrong with this kid? This kid is not eating something. He looks like... He has an immune deficiency, Jackie. Does he really? No, I'm just kidding. I, don't know. <laughs> I hate you! I, hate I don't know. You. He's one of the kids from Children of the Corn, like, legit. Isn't he one from one of the Children of the Corn movies? He looks like it. I would deck this kid if he came up behind me in this <laughs> Excuse me, sir, would you like to buy one of my chocolates? Pop, pop, two to the dome. <laughs> you need to leave. You're so stupid. You're such an asshole, but he does look sickly. Grant tells the kid a story about how velociraptors would hunt their prey with fast, coordinated attacks. The boy is horrified when Grant explains that after their prey is brought down, velociraptors would often eat their prey alive. He slashes you here and here, or maybe across the belly, <laughs> spilling your intestines. The point is, you are alive when he starts to eat you. So, you know, try to show a little respect. <laughs> yes! Read him down. My favorite is just Ellie Sattler to the side. She's just like, Grant, you're sick. Like, he just threatened this kid. <laughs> this is a normal occurrence for Dr. Grant, apparently. This is a weekly thing. He would fit right in on this podcast. He is not about them kids, like, at all. Oh, I love it. We love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> the dig is immediately cut short with the sudden appearance of Grant and Sattler's main sponsor, the elderly and eccentric billionaire, John Hammond. He invites them to his latest project for their approval and endorsement. He claims that their, quote, unique biological attractions are guaranteed to drive the children out of their minds. What kind of park is this? It's right up your alley. What's your first impression of John Hammond? Because I feel like John Hammond's the character goes through this point in the movie where I'm kind of like scared of him. Like he feels like he's like the sweet uncle, rich uncle. And then he's like, I will not stop at anything for this park to open. But he means well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I feel you. Well, you also have to consider that that he threw all of his money into this theme park. Because to hear negative feedback was, you know, of course he's going to go on the defense about it. Are you good at taking negative feedback? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you didn't get the job, Jackie. <laughs> With some hesitation, Hammond convinces Alan and Ellie by offering to fund their work for three more years. Always entice them with money, babe. That's all you gotta do. Money talks, bitch. Money talks. 
You want me to say something for you? You want me to do something? Give me some money, bitch. Give me a 20. <laughs> I, I'm, this is fine. It's fine. I just want to go to the next part because you're just wanting to get to the park. I want to get to the park. When's the park open? Essentially. We cut to San Jose, Costa Rica. A mysterious man carrying an even more mysterious bag meets up with Dennis Nidri at a rendezvous point. He cover his cover is blown when Dotson! We got Dotson here! Dotson here! <laughs> so, hold on. I cannot stand, but also love this character. He's fing annoying, <laughs> but he's also kinda relatable and kinda hilarious. <laughs> to move on, they they are meeting up for a payment, and Dotson is a competing company paying Nidri. $750,000 for fresh embryos with more money if he delivers more species. He's to transfer the species in a shaving cream container and meet up at a certain time for transfer. I love when he brings it. I don't even know how to describe that laugh. He sounds like a <laughs> dino. Like it's, it's not like real. A, it's like almost like a Mariah Carey, Ariana Grande <laughs> squeal, bitch. <laughs> he hits them high notes. Mariah yes, could never. Does the whistle tone <laughs> i was always bugged as a kid when he would take the shaving cream and then put it on a pie i know first <laughs> of all that dessert cart was for everybody to share and you just put some barbasol on that bitch are you trying to give somebody food poisoning oh god but i that's it's one of my favorite scenes i love that he calls out Dotson because <laughs> he's all paranoid and yeah i mean Dennis is kind of setting himself up to be the villain here, and, and we'll get to who the real villain is. Ooh. Grant and Sadler travel by helicopter to the island. They are accompanied by two other characters, the equally eccentric chaos theorist, Dr. Ian mm. Malcolm, mm. Uh. wearing like leather boots and a leather jacket and black rimmed glasses. So fine. Over here hitting on Ellie. Dr. Grant's not about it. I know. And lawyer Donald Gennaro, who represents Hammond's investors. We get stunning shots of the island, the greenery, the waterfalls, all as John Williams' epic score plays. It's a beautiful scene. Beautiful. I love, I love it. it. It always manages to give me like the good tingly feelings every time that shot mm -hmm. happens. It's and just it like really is like a getaway. Like it feels like you're it feels like you're getting away from the normal hubbub and escaping to this tropical getaway where you're about and to be the, killed and the, <laughs> that's exactly what it is it i love the device of using the helicopter as a way to get to and from the island because hello you have to but also it's a great way to reveal your island from gorgeous shots these sh like, these shots are stunning these shots are we stunning. love a reveal the we queens do. love a reveal and <laughs> there's so many reveal. reveals <laughs> so many it. reveals so many <laughs> you are so excited we got a great sneak peek of the park itself and its mechanics. The Jeeps decorated in the park's logos, the 10,000 volt electric gates, and the massive scale of the park itself. I have to know, apparently, Spielberg struck a deal with Ford, so they sponsored all of these cars to happen. And these cars are so iconic. I want no way. one. <laughs> I, oh, bitch. I don't like Jeeps, but I would 100% buy a Jurassic Park Jeep. Park Jeep. 100%. Mm -hmm. Soon they are treated to a very unique spectacle, living, breathing dinosaurs. A, <laughs> a towering Brachiosaurus is seen. It's enough to leave the visitors stunned and breathless. You did it, you crazy son of a bitch. You did it. 
I fucking I love I love Goldblum. I love Goldblum. I could never deliver like Goldblum, but it's yeah. No one can. No one can. It's terrific. It's the most interesting deadpan. It always sounds like he's literally thinking up the words before he says it. <laughs> uh, he probably did. In all honesty, this is another. I like. We're gonna mention the very much. This film is just filled with iconic scenes. But I can't describe to you the like butterflies that I felt in my stomach when I first saw the like, because it's a great shot. It's a gorgeous shot. Very like low angle from the floors. You can really get the scale of this dinosaur. And it's amazing. And he like coupled with John Williams score, it just gives me all the feels. It just has this, it's so effective at creating this imagery of wonder and awe. I think that's why I like this movie so much because even still, I still get, like you said, the warm butterflies of like being in amazement. And that's something that I feel like you feel like a lot as a kid. And it it comes and goes as an adult. So the fact that Spielberg was able to literally just capture a feeling, Mm -hmm. go off, go off, sis. Because we also... (laughs) We also get our iconic, iconic. There's no way to describe it except Dr. Grant and my dear Dr. Sattler, welcome to Jurassic Park. That's so upsetting. Later, the group arrives at the Island Central Resort and Control Facility. They are given a brief tour of the process that created the dinosaurs. The tour is hosted by none other than the famous Mr. DNA. Ah, I geek over it. (laughs) Injun has succeeded in cloning animals from simple strands of DNA salvaged from mosquitoes that fed on dinosaur blood and were preserved for millions of years inside fossilized amber. The group is then shown the egg incubation room just in time to witness the birth of a baby velociraptor. This is where we also learn that all of the animals in the park are female. They have been altering the chromosomes to maintain breeding in the park. Malcolm, however, believes that life finds a way and they won't be able to control the park. Grant is disturbed by the birth of the baby raptor and asks to see where the adult raptors are kept. So to start, the fact that they try doing like this Disneyland learning auditorium <laughs> style, it's just, yes. it is the best thing for theme park nerds like us. I love Mr. DNA, Miss, learn about dinosaurs. Like mm-hmm. that's the only way to say dinosaur. There's like, it's like the little kid in me when I love when Hammond like interacts with the screen. I think it's stupidly adorable and he pricks <laughs> his own finger, but the raptor birth scene I always forget about it for some reason, but when it's shown, I it gives me alien vibes and I don't know how to describe it except for the fact that it gives this energy of like you're watching something otherworldly be created that you shouldn't that shouldn't be happening. Does that make sense? It's also something that's dangerous and that you know is dangerous and I that's think why. that's where that's coming from um because the score also changes for that scene like the tones the shot the lighting it all changes with that scene um and this is where we head to the raptors talk about nightmare inducing the raptor containment facility is a fortress an electrified fence and dense foliage are the only thing that separates the humans from the most dangerous creatures on the island just in time we do witness the daily feeding of the raptors (laughs) A cow is lowered into the pit. We, as the audience, do not see, but the cow is quickly killed and the gruesome sight of the carnage is hidden by the foliage. 
We also meet Muldoon, a security specialist in the park, and he explains the pack's extremely intelligent behavior and ferocity. I think Spielberg really learned that showing less until you fully reveal your creature is mm -hmm. more because these scenes are really like they're creepy. We're, I think you pinpointed it with the baby raptor. And I think that's a great way to start leaning into how dangerous these dinosaurs are because mm -hmm. the Brachiosaurus makes you feel, oh my God, this is great. And then it slowly turns into a horror movie. This is uh -huh. when people start greasing. Mm -hmm. This is exactly where you start to feel the sense of danger and then you realize like, oh, like I'm at a, like I'm within feet of these very dangerous creatures. Like, you know, it just starts to set in and you realize like, uh, this is like an opening weekend kind of thing. We're here to test the waters and see if this can actually happen. So I think this is where it all kind of starts to go awry. Um, this is also one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I love the shots. I love the shots from inside the raptor cage as they're feeding you to see the like horrified looks on everybody's faces. And the bushes brushling. It's the noises also like the sound design in this movie is just Oh my like, god. Excellent. Aside from the score, the sound design has to be applauded that they were able to come up with noises for dinosaurs that we know like we don't Nothing? know what they sounded like. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, this that I'm like, yeah, that's exactly how a dinosaur sounds. Like I'm right? sure. <laughs> what else would it sound like? But we follow that demented feeling into this next scene that I used to hate as a kid. I'm not gonna lie, this used to be the scene that dips because we mm -hmm. follow the group at a lunch and discuss the park and their emotions thus far. It would appear that the lawyer is, of course, excited for the park's opening. But for the rest of the group, they explain their reservations and the danger that Hammond has started, that no one can play God and that the dangers are bringing back species that were wiped out in the attempt at trying to control them. I appreciate this scene way more as an adult. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree 100% that as a, a child, this scene used to dip. Drag, drag. Like this, is, this is the point where I would go to the kitchen to go get more snacks <laughs> or something. Rewatching it as a doll and actually listening to the dialogue. I was like, oh, this is something profound. And then yes. this is where we get like a turning point. Like the people that, that uh, John Hammond brought to the park to validate it are now turning on him and be like, no, this is unethical. You shouldn't be bringing these creatures back just to cage them and put them on for entertainment. You're playing with fire and you don't realize that as a kid, you're just like, this is fucking cool. But as yeah. an adult, there's like a new layer of fear to it because that still happens now. People always want to play God and create things that probably shouldn't be created. Mm -hmm. But this is just humans doing what humans do. And once they get the capabilities, should you? And they think that's so cool coming from like this adventure movie. The group prepares, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to skip back to the raptor scene really quick because I didn't get to express the feelings I had for reintroducing Muldoon. I, first of all, and the many, many, many times I've seen this movie, I did not know what his name was. I just know him as the shooter <laughs> guy. But when I rewatched it for this pod, I don't know why I noticed, but he's got the nicest, beefiest thighs I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> oh my God. And they're so hairy and meaty and he's wearing this cute little Short, like, shorts. Mm-hmm, Park Ranger getup that I live this for. Steve Irwin fantasy. Is yes. <laughs> Anyways, I just, I had to throw that in before we moved any further. You're so ridiculous. 
The group prepares to experience the park's central attraction, a safari-like tour of the park in a high-tech Ford Explorer. Sponsor! <laughs> Hammond's two grandchildren, Lex, and her little brother, Tim, soon join the group to experience the park. They split up into two cars, Sattler and Malcolm with Brent, and the children and Laura the other. I read your book. That's great. <laughs> I, I, he's so cute. He's Tim is adorable. I have mixed feelings about Lex, but we'll get to those in a second. Tim is adorable. <laughs> <laughs> You're so fucked up. I have mixed feelings about Lex. I'll get to it. All right, whatever. I highly like I. I relate to Dr. Grant on a very religious level with this whole <laughs> di- you. dinosaur obsession you. slash hating children because kids always ruin my good time whenever I'm somewhere. Moving on, Tim appears to be a big fan of dinosaurs and Dr. Grant, much to Dr. Grant's annoyance, with Lex just having a crush on Dr. Grant. While well, they so all <laughs> God, sorry. Well, they all settle into their vehicles, Hammond settles into the main control room where his two computer experts, Arnold and Nidri, manage the complex infrastructure of the park. Hold on to your butts. The line of Lexi's is, she thinks it'd be good for you if we got <laughs> She says, she said I should ride with you because it'd be good for you. And she's like twirling her little <laughs> ponytail. And then he just looks over at Dr. Sattler and she's just like smirking underneath it's, her head. And just it's like, so it's cute. really cute. Yeah. I love, this is, it's just, it's just smart. It's just a smart script because it's mm-hmm. the smallest interaction that makes me like you a lot because I agree, kids are awful. Is that true? It's very true. <laughs> Before dinosaurs start trying to kill you, you're ruining my but life. It's, and so in addition to it being like this creature feature, you have to have characters that you are sympathetic to. And so I love this art, this character arc that they give Dr. Grant of him hating children in the beginning and slowly where Dr. Sattler starts to butt in and throw these kids at him to try and soften him up. And damn it, does it start to work. Damn you. <laughs> Besides the excellent gateway through the park, we get the line. What do they got in there? King Kong? <laughs> the tour is largely uneventful. Dilophosaurus and Tyrannosaurus Rex, two extremely dangerous carnivores, refuse to make a reveal to the tourists. While at the T-Rex exhibit, they even witness a goat brought forward to entice the T-Rex. Of course, to no response. God creates dinosaurs. God destroys dinosaurs. God creates man. Man destroys God. Man creates dinosaurs. Dinosaurs eat man. Woman inherits the earth. Boom, and there it is. There we go. <laughs> she is. She is an icon. She is. She is everything. This is why we love Dr. Ellie Sattler, and this is why the gays cosplay her all the time. She is iconic. Come that on. line is everything. It's everything. It's beautiful. I love her character. She doesn't take shit, but she's still so soft and amazing. And look at that hair. Look at the volume. And the quaff bitch, it never gets rid. Even when she's being chased by raptors, it still flows in the wind. It really does. It really, really does. Uh, a sick triceratops is met along the way, and the creature is being tended to by park veterinarians. Sattler leaves the group, though, to help them out. Also get a great big pile of dino shit. <laughs> <laughs> dino t- droppings? Droppings? Dino Dro- droppings. Dro- droppings. <laughs> She's so badass. She's like, yeah, I'll put my hand in this shit. She don't, 
He ain't afraid of no scat play. Ew, 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 <laughs> ew. Ew, I don't mean to, I'm not kink shaming, but just like, it's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> We, we also get, we missed the part in the car where <laughs> Jeff Goldwyn was totally flirting with her, doing this dumb little water experiment. Chaos theory bullshit. Mm-hmm. He's like a hot philosophy major, isn't he? Ugh, he's like a hot philosophy major with two baby mamas and three kids. <laughs> Nobody asked. I would still hit it. <laughs> An approaching tropical storm forces the tour to be cut short, as most of the staff leaves by ship for the mainland. While the storm approaches and hits harder, Nidri shuts down security systems throughout the park, but also causes the tour's electric cars to break down and the electrified fences to shut down, thus releasing the dinosaurs from their containments. Hi, Nidri. Check the vending machines. <laughs> He's such a dick. The shade. <laughs> the shade. Dick. I mean, it's... in all fairness, Nidri did say he was going to go to the vending machines because he wanted something salty or something. Like what he said. Um, but yeah, that was that was total shade on John Hammond's part. Nidri is such a good, like I said, I hate and love this character because if we didn't have him, all we wouldn't have this great adventure that's about to happen. Jurassic mm-hmm. Park probably would have been a great success <laughs> if it wasn't for Nidri. But the, like his character stealing the embryos, I always thought was super cool. I love when he pulls out the embryos and it's blue and there's fog because it's science. But uh-huh. Nidri, like. You said that there was another villain in the movie. Who's the other villain? John Hammond. (laughs) 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 Y'all wanted a twist, eh? (laughs) I wasn't ready. (laughs) John Hammond is the real villain in this movie. He wanted to play God. He employed all these people. He went and like, I'm sure bulls dozed like over native lands on this untouched island to build this theme park so rich white people could come and see dinosaurs. Drag her, slay her, read her, sipping on that treaty, hunty. Damn, damn, she's not wrong. He is, (laughs) she's not wrong. Wow, wow. And in the process, so many people got killed. So John Hammond's the villain, y'all. Who would you believe? Who would you believe? <laughs> Shit goddamn. Shit goddamn. Because all of this is happening and Nidri makes his way across the park in order to meet up for the transfer of the embryos. With the storm getting worse, Nidri accidentally gets lost and gets stuck in the mud. So yeah, there are two villains. He is a villain. We're, <laughs> we're just going to say that. But I kind of agree with you on Hammond and I want to bring this back up when we get to like the ice cream eating scene later on. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. While he moves, Arnold attempts at getting into the security system, but unfortunately, uh, 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 you didn't say the magic words. Please! Damn it, <laughs> I hate this hacker crap! One <laughs> of my favorite scenes. It's so good. The story then comes to the most exciting and perhaps memorable part. With the storm growing stronger and stronger, the cars are stopped in front of the T-Rex paddock. As the group waits, the subtle but ominous vibration is heard. And the T-Rex rips through the fence and is provoked to attack the kid's car by Lex using an emergency light. As the T-Rex attacks the children, Malcolm distracts the animal by using a flare only to be attacked and injured. Gennaro is so frightened that he runs out of the car into the rain only to be eaten in the bathroom. He left us. He left us. us. (laughs) Okay, 
there's so much to unpack in this scene just because mm -hmm. it is probably the most famous. This is when we get our biggest reveal. Mm -hmm. This fucking thing is massive. It is massive. I can't get over the work done on this animatronic because it is probably it's like my top five of like physical special effects done in mm -hmm. cinema because it looks re it looks real to me. It looks like what a dinosaur would look like. I agree. I agree 100%. Like today when I think of dinosaurs, I think of Jurassic Park and what I saw in Jurassic Park. And like you said, this is our big reveal. This is the scene where the T-Rex breaks out. <laughs> it's so fucked up, but I'm sure if I were that lawyer, I would have did the same thing. I would have just <laughs> booked it, bitch. I wouldn't have stopped though. I would have kept, well, maybe I wouldn't have kept going because all the dinosaurs were loose. He went straight to the shitter and that's all I'm gonna say on that. <laughs> but this is where I have a problem with Lex. I know she's a little girl, so I really can't blame her. But Lex is always doing shit she probably shouldn't be doing. Later on, she really redeems herself. But I get so frustrated with her because she's just like, ah, how do I work a flashlight? Ah, ah. And then Tim's telling her to turn it off. And she's like, what? As she's doing like a fucking <laughs> disco dance at a rave with the fucking light. This scene is still so terrifying to me, though. When the T-Rex still roars, I still turn down the volume. And when he attacks the car and they use the glass and it's just them. Oh my God. And the dinosaur is genuinely terrifying. This is straight horror. This is straight horror. I agree. That is a well-constructed scene. The buildup and the tension that they create from the T-Rex coming out and then them attracting him to the car. It's a very, like, they just build on the tension and it's great because they're, at that scene, they're fighting over the flashlight and he's turning off. She's like, I don't know how to. And it gets really quiet. Everything just cuts silent when they finally, actually, I don't think they ever turn off the flashlight. It just, it cuts really quiet. And then that's when they look up because they realize everything has stopped. And they look up and that's when the T-Rex breaks through the sunroof. <gasps> and it's a great scene. And a little fun fact, the glass actually wasn't supposed to break. <laughs> so they, the glass broke with the T-Rex breaking through the glass. And so that's genuine fear <gasps> on the kid's face. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> the glass is not supposed to break. Genuinely terrifying. I am sure as an actor, I wouldn't have to pretend. I wouldn't have to act. There is a giant T-Rex head trying to kill me. No, ma'am. No, ma'am, because you're right. The scene's construction is so good, but I, this time around, I laughed because it takes Malcolm and Dr. Grant way too long to respond and save those kids. I know. I They're getting the crushed thing. underneath by the time, the, the car is coming down on them in the mud by the time they're like, oh, we should, we should do something. I mean, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't do anything either. I mean, like, it's either me I or you. you. I know you wouldn't have, <laughs> but I'm, I'm gonna chalk it up to, you're watching a T-Rex, a real life T-Rex. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to do. This is also where we get our infamous, not true at all, they see by movement. Oh, right, right, right. Eh, I mean, they, they had to use something, I guess. I, I actually like it. It's a device that's used in almost every single one of the Jurassic Park movies. It's only linked to Jurassic Park. It has no like <laughs> real <laughs> scientific. <reality to> it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's still such a good concept because it, when the T-Rex gets closer and then just sniffs them, I still hold my breath. Like that sucks before, of course, Lexi screams again. She's, this is where I just don't like her. She's horrible. That's, 
my favorite scene because that's the part where they have that huge animatronic foot just mushed down into the mud and the scenes and the shot the cinematography is something to be applauded as well because the the scenes and the shots in this movie are done so well that in my head to stick out there are certain like i want to call them screenshots that stick out in my head that remind me of this movie and this is one of them i fully agree you're absolutely right spielberg cinematography for his films is always usually spot but grant mm-hmm. manages to reach the children and grabs lex to escape only for tim to still be in the car as the t-rex pushes it over an edge down into the jungle below plot hole mm-hmm. plot another hole. plot hole which a, a lot of people think hole. know about by now but yeah that's a huge plot hole like the dino just came out over that fence and now all of a sudden dipped. there's a 60 foot dip there it pushes our story along. I never really realized it until I was well into a teen. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's my own bad. But I, I, I re- push past it regardless because it's a fucking iconic scene. That car crashing is amazing. It made it to the ride. Oh, such a good ride. Meanwhile, Nidri is caught in a ditch and exits his car in an attempt to break free. He slips and loses the embryo container and meets up with one of Jurassic Park's most frightening dinos. The Dilophosaurus flares its skin and shoots venom at Nidri, blinding him. Quickly, the animal devours Nidri and the container is lost. This is another great scene. Nidri gets his comeuppets and we love to see it. Yeah, we love to see it. You deserve (laughs) it, bitch. Goodbye. Nightmare inducing. I still get freaked out by the Dilophosaurus. (laughs) Yes, that is a horrifying dinosaur. Um... I love that it starts off kind of playful. Like it's right? almost like he, he swears like he's at a petting zoo and he's here, go get the <laughs> stick, go get the stick, stupid. Ah, no wonder <laughs> you're extinct. <laughs> and then um, and then he gets his come up and it's it spits a venom in his face that blinds him essentially. It's just it's not even venom, it's like this thick black tar, which I don't know how accurate it is, but it's still disgusting. It's very disgusting. And then he jumps in the car to try and get away, only to find that there was another one waiting for him in the car. And it devours him. It's super satisfying. Like, you don't like Nidri, and when he does die, because you as an audience member want him to die, mm-hmm. it, it feels good. It feels right. <laughs> we love to see it. Sattler and Muldoon arrive by Jeep at the T-Rex attack and find Malcolm. The T-Rex returns, though, to give chase to the Jeep down a road in an excellent, excellent car chase. Thankfully, they manage to escape with Malcolm commenting, You think they'll have that on the tour? <laughs> this is an epic chase scene by the T-Rex. It's great, and it's usually used in pop culture and referenced multiple times throughout. I know it's in Toy Story 2. <laughs> Yes, I love it. <laughs> Soon after, Grant finds Tim still in the car, caught in a tree. He manages to get him free just in time as the car crashes into the ground. We're back in the car again. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> the small group decide to spend the night sleeping in a tree. The next morning, they wake up to find a Brachiosaurus grazing nearby. Lex is initially frightened, but Grant reassures her that they are peaceful herbivores. I love when she's like, are those, are those meat, meat, meatosauruses? <laughs> so meaty. This poor girl is traumatized for life. Life. Yeah, they both are because when he finds Tim in the car, Tim's just catatonic. He's just sitting there. Like he can't even talk back to him. And then finally he manages to like, you know, manages to get him to come out of the car. And when he does, that's when shit cuts loose. The, the car starts coming down, breaking so all tense. the tree branches. It's another very tense scene. 
to which they finally make it out and the car crashes on them and they find themselves back in the car again. Does he have asthma? Because he does that multiple times throughout the movie where he delivers line like this poor kid just ran a marathon. Kia, <laughs> he has asthma. Go listen to our Freddy versus Jason episode. <laughs> but before they fall asleep, I think these dad jokes are great because Dr. Grant finally starts letting his guard down after he saved mm-hmm. these kids. And they snuggle up on him, and before they fall asleep, it's a... What do you call a blind dinosaur? What? Do you think he's source? What do you call a blind dinosaur's dog? What? Do you think he's source Rex? <laughs> <laughs> They're so cute. I love these cute little dead dinosaur jokes. They're adorable. This scene is wonderful. I get a lot of Land Before Time vibes, but it could be because it's a Brachiosaurus but it's the lighting and the mood yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. And like the background, the backdrop, the music, it gives you that very like fantastical vibe. And then in the morning, I just have to mention, cause I always, I always used to just die of laughter as a kid. Lex is also scared when a Brachiosaurus sneezes on her and we get the, God bless you. <laughs> Lex is still very much annoying at this point, but I have see, to like, see. but rightfully so. She's fucking traumatized from what she just went through the night before so when she wakes up and she sees like this huge brachiosaurus like eating leaves she freaks out she's like get away get away (laughs) and then you know they say like no it's a herbivore and think of it as a big cow and she's like i like cows and she goes to go pet it and it just sneezes all over her and i was like this poor girl just can't catch a break she still doesn't. None of these kids catch a break <laughs> in this whole movie. Steven Spielberg does not let up. He does not like kids. Surprise. Next, we get a very excellent scene of Sattler confronting Hammond about his park, his disillusion to his power of the park and his need to showcase these wonders. Sattler talks sense into him that the only thing that matters right now is the ones that they love. And I have to mention, we get a wonderful way to sit in a chair by Laura Dern. Hold on, I have to. Yeah, I know you can't, guys can't see it, but I have to. It's, it's so stupid. <laughs> Laura Dern invented how to sit in chairs. This is a great scene. A great but scene. This is. This very much proves my theory that John Hammond is the villain in this movie. Yes, he is. Because he's willing to risk everybody's life and even the life of his grandchildren. Because he wasn't just... even sweating. He's like, oh, these ice cream is melting. I got to make sure it's. Uh... These ice creams are about to go bad. We got to eat them. The kids are <laughs> dead. Nobody's going to eat them. Oh, wow. You're right, though. And I that is why I like this scene. Once again, this is one of those scenes that I used to really feel dipped really hard mm-hmm. as a kid because the action is slowing down. But mm-hmm. you kind of need it. I You both personalize with Hammond, which just shows that the actor's capability is amazing to really mm-hmm. like let you identify. But it, it's this crazy push-pull of him, like, not ever fully understanding like your kids are like they almost just died and you're still like no disneyland's opening day was horrendous (laughs) hi it's fucking mickey i spared no expense it's it's the number one running theme for this movie it's it's so good and of course it's by laura dern laura dern sitting down eating some ice cream telling him no no more but i also love the shots leading up to the scene of the like gift shop and you see like the lunch boxes with the Jurassic Park logo on them and it's playing the theme song very softly in the background. You see the dinosaurs and the t-shirts. You just see all the merch. Like it was a fully, or they at least they want to give you the illusion that it was a fully fleshed out theme park, much like Disneyland. But bitch, this was no animal kingdom. 
Ooh, look at that wordplay. <laughs> While making their way through the park, Grant discovers that the dinosaurs have found a way to... Because <laughs> life finds a way. They found a way to mate and create life. There's a really quick breakdown on this because Dr. Grant says that they used frog DNA to complete the code and there's some like sort of species of frog that's able to change sexual organs in a same-sex environment in order to mate and that's essentially how we get this which makes total sense in their storyline that's why i like i think this movie is so good in creating like a sense of wonderment because there is this foundational layer of this could happen like we could possibly get the dna from mosquitoes trapped in amber we could possibly unfortunately not be able to control these things and it <laughs> will go crazy it exactly. works with Malcolm injured and the park systems offline, Arnold is forced to take drastic action and reset the system. This has the unintended consequences of freeing the velociraptors from their enclosures. Not to mention, we get the best shot in the film of Malcolm <laughs> sitting there like a greased up god while they discuss their plans and manage to reset the system. Arnold leaves to manually reset. Whoo! Do you need this a minute? Scene, this scene was part of my sexual awakening, and I didn't even realize it until now. He looks so good. I'm like, oh, you're hurt? You don't look hurt. Like, do you? Mm. Matter of fact, mm. you look photo shoot ready. He looks so good. He looks so good. That's it. I just, like, he just looks I so just want to, like, rest my head on his chest. <laughs> There's a bust of him laying there that I really want for my desk so I can just use it <gasps> as a paperweight. Wouldn't that be so gorgeous? I'm so good, yes. gorgeous. I need so nasty and so rude. <laughs> Grant and the kids witness a stampede of ostrich like dinos known as the Gallimimus. I think this seems good. I think it's just because we also get another T Rex attack. Is it bad that I feel like this scene was here because they had created that first mock-up of this to show that the like the animation <laughs> could work? So they're like, cool, let's put it in there. Uh, yeah, because I'm sure they spent a lot of time and money just doing the fucking mock-up. So they're like, mm -hmm. we spent the money and we have it, we're going to use it. And I don't think it feels out of place in the film at all. It I think it just no. showcases the great technology that they had come up with at the time. And it kind of gives you uh, a peek into like what the dinosaurs would be like in their natural habitat instead of being You're caged right. up and fed fucking goats. Because we also get we also get Dr. Grant being like, oh, you bet you never look at birds the same way again. And then <laughs> Tim's just like, I know, like Lex is ready. Like, Can we please go? Can we go? Can we go? Can we please go? And, and uh, Tim's just like, look at all the blood. <laughs> He's still amazed, even though poor though this poor kid was just terrorized. Mm-hmm. Muldoon and Sattler attempt to restore the power after it appears that something has gone wrong. We get another great Sattler line. Uh-huh. But it, his her interaction with Hammond is but But it ought to be me, really. Why? I I'm uh and you're you're uh, uh look, we could discuss sexism and survival situations when I get back. Yes! Oh my god, yes! She's a another club, another <laughs> feminist statement. She's amazing. I love Sattler. She's probably one of my favorite. Every all these characters, actually, I genuinely care for all of these characters. They're great, they're well written, and these actors are come on, Flora Dern. I, I have no notes. No notes. Soon, the two are ambushed by the gang of raptors. Sattler makes chase after running into a tree. It's my favorite part. When he tells her to run and she just goes, ah! and then, then she makes slabs on it. Oh, but you want to really fight. 
Muldoon is outsmarted and killed by the cunning raptors. Clever gas. I love this scene. I love this scene. They come out, they're ready. They're ready to go see what happened with uh, Arnold. And so they head out and immediately Muldoon is just like on edge, ready just to like, he's on the lookout. And so it's almost like borderline campy in my opinion, but it works. Um, it does. Muldoon is super into it. And he's like, he's locked in on the rapture. He knows where, he, where she's at. And he's like, you should go now. <laughs> and, then that's, and then that's when Laura Dern makes her epic run for the control room, which is clearly a stunt woman intercut with scenes of Laura Dern. Because bitch, I read that wig. I saw the wig and they were dry. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's, it's a pretty epic uh, scene, like run to the uh, to the control room. Though, I'll give them that. And the body count just went up higher, and it's by someone who was fully aware how of how dangerous these things were, and he was outsmarted. Raptors are terrifying. I don't care what you tell me. Raptors are terrifying, especially that noise they make. And even though it might not be the real noise they made in real life, it's still horrifying. It's extremely terrifying. <laughs> Grit and the kids attempt at climbing over an electric fence before the electricity is turned back on. Grant and Lexi make it through quickly, but Tim is too scared to go the remaining way. Back in the energy room, Sattler attempts at turning on the park's power with Hammond guiding her. Before she turns on the power, an alarm screeches as Tim still holds on to the fence. Once Sattler flips the switch, Tim is electrocuted and thrown from the fence. Luckily, he survives. With the power coming back on, Sattler is elated only to be suddenly attacked by the raptors and discovers Arnold's remaining hand. So this is another like action. A lot happens within the scene. Like it's kind of not slow, but like the scene tends to dip a little right here. And then it just like goes into hyperdrive because we cut to Grant and the kids trying to climb over the fence. I love the scene when Grant tests out the electric fence to see if it's on so because at first he throws a branch at it and he doesn't get a reaction out of it which i don't think would work in real life but whatever i don't know and, and then so then he goes to touch it and he pretends like he's getting electrocuted and the kids freak the fuck out until he turns around and, and chuckles and lex is not having it but tim she's thinks been it's through great. too much already she's like no i've had it i've had you know what i've had it, it. oh and then we get Dr. Sattler making her way back into the control room. And when she finally gets through like turning everything back on, she's so excited. We are on the up and up bitch. She gets a raptor attack from behind. So fast. And then we get the worst like arm reveal of Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> it's sad that his character goes out this way. But for me, it, just, it heightens it for me because she freaks, rightfully so, the fuck out. But this is also when we, what? Plot hole. How did the what was the arm doing there? How did it just fall on her? What? Jackie, this is one of many. This is one of many. This is one of many. Saying. I'm just saying. I go ahead and say it. It's done already. <laughs> <laughs> I this scene is great, but Laura Dern also starts doing her for me infamous running because later on, one of <laughs> <laughs> and then she gets caught. Damn it! <laughs> it really bothers me that she didn't just pick up the fucking flashlight and headset instead of dragging it, or even just like ripped out the cord and just let it let it fly bitch she, she was being attacked she was being attacked and she had to move forward i i'm on laura dern side i but i have to mention tim tim are you okay <laughs> like this this these poor kids steven spielberg said these kids they're gonna get the worst 
out of everybody. Everybody. Because this isn't the last of it. <laughs> it's not. This is only the beginning, bitch. Oh, you thought it was over. Grant and the kids make their way back to the main resort complex, with Grant leaving the kids in the main dining area to search for other survivors. In the meantime, Lex and Tim are cornered by a pair of raptors inside the main kitchen. The raptors stalk their way through the dark kitchen after opening doors. But they can open doors. For whatever reason, this is just mentioned now. And search for the kids. Eventually, Lex and Tim manage to lure one of the raptors into a freezer and lock it inside. But the other raptors chase them out. Another great scene, the jello scene. <laughs> I love that the iconic scene for you is when she shakes the jello. That shit's hilarious. But you're right. Because these kids are finally like, finally, we can eat. Everything's great. I love the reveal because Tim is just f***ed up. He, no, before he eats, he is up he's probably got a concussion he doesn't know where he's at <laughs> he's limping he's internally bleeding and all he wants is these great desserts these poor kids <laughs> he needs to see a crisis counselor <laughs> but it's but another plot hole why is there this whole spread laid out for them and even if it was laid out from the day before like it should have been a lot of that shit would have been melted and kind of gross so whatever and pop off don't worry this. about it it's fine how did the raptors get in they can open doors remember <laughs> I'm gonna forget. <laughs> but the kitchen scene, the intense kitchen scene, the raptors, the animatronics, because this is probably my favorite blending of the digital special effects with the physical effects, because we do get a full life-size raptor. Mm -hmm. We get a full torso and up. We yes. get legs, we get hands. They went We in. get nails, bitch. Those raptors had acrylics. And I love when it goes. <laughs> on the floor as it's walking, it's making noises going. And then when it gets to one point, it goes click, clack, click, clack. That's the sound of a sing black. It's like when a Karen's at an office and she's just tapping her nails, you know, something's about to happen. It's she wants great. to see the manager. This, she does want to see the manager. This is where Lex starts redeeming herself because she tricks the raptor with her reflection and it is excellent. And my favorite is when she just goes, <laughs> and pushes the door. Yeah, it was her fight or flight response, bitch, and she went in. She I have was to gonna agree, snap though. her elbows. <laughs> <laughs> you go, how are you supposed to do it then? I was just scared that she was gonna push too hard and fuck up her elbows, but she had the passion there. I'll At this that. point, fuck your elbows. <laughs> but I, I love the scene of the fake out of using her reflection. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it was great. And then I have to, I have to agree. The point where she just goes <laughs> pull forward and helps Tim push the freezer door shut is awesome. Her survivor instincts taped in. They did, bitch. And then I love that um, they they run out and they think they're cool until they cut to the shot of the raptor and he's just watch, watching them run out. And it's a great shot of the raptor. It looks really good. And you can even see like its nostrils flare. It's intense. It looks nothing scarier than a ferocious animal that is intelligent. And that shot gave you everything you needed out of that. Cool. So intelligent that it can open doors apparently. Meeting up in the control room, Grant, Settler, and the kids attempt to restore power and communications to the park. But suddenly, they are trapped by the raptors. Lex uses her hacker powers to get the security system and phones back online. The raptors manage to break into the control room and give chase throughout the entire building. The computer system is so funny to me because to me, it's just like earlier when we showed the computers, it was coding. 
now it's like this super friendly software where you can just click on anything. <laughs> it was like, practically a touch screen. It was. That's what I find so funny that like only Lex could do this. Her hacker skills helped her. Yeah. She clicked on a mouse. You've got mail. Yeah, they mentioned earlier in the movie that she's a hacker because I think Tim calls her a computer geek. She goes, I'm a hacker. We prefer to call it hackers. Um, sure, why not? Come on, early 90s. What really bothers me about this scene is that the two of them are trying to hold this door shut. And then Lex is trying to hack into the computer system while Tim is literally just standing there doing nothing but going like this, like holding his hands up in the air, freaking out, panicking. I was like, do something, grab the in gun. His defense, this kid has been thrown, crashed, electrocuted, almost died and is limping. That's why I said I don't like kids. <laughs> Useless. <laughs> Eventually, the group is cornered by the last two raptors inside the main atrium. Just as all hope is lost, the mighty T-Rex makes his final grand appearance. The giant comes crashing through and attacks the raptors, buying enough time for the small group of humans to escape. Another excellent scene. And this is the scene that we swapped out for the original ending. And I think it's well-deserved because we get to the atrium by them going up through the air vents and we do get a really cool shot of the raptor getting the projected computer screen on its face but like yeah like the code it's so freaking wicked and we get lex almost dying again and falling through the roof but they make their way to the atrium and climb on top of is it a, it's not a t-rex i don't know what skeleton it is I want to say it's a T-Rex. Is it? They're climbing yeah. on the skeleton. And of course, the raptors, the raptor reminds me of a cat. It's just like judging how far the jump is, wiggling its uh -huh. tail, and then, ah! and then makes its way on top. It's, it's pretty so hilarious cute. because they all end up on different pieces of the fossil and they're all just straddling it like it's a mechanical bull. <laughs> and then the raptors jump on at one point and it's just like a whole lot of shit going on. And then the fossils slowly start to like fall or like Laura Dern just straight up like falls 20 feet Eats from the it. ground <laughs> onto the onto marble flooring. Lex like rides her fossil until it hits the ground. Tim almost dies again because he falls and the skeleton almost crashes onto him. Tim, this is some Final Destination shit. You must have pissed someone off because they've got a vendetta. <laughs> Clearly this was not a theme park for kids. And then after surviving all this, the Raptors are still there trying to get the ass. <laughs> but the T-Rex makes its excellent debut and I agree with Spielberg. This ending is far better because immediately we finish the last like 30 minutes of this movie are so incredibly paced and fast that it's just one action sequence after another and this is where we culminate you're right there is another plot hole how the fuck did this giant t-rex make its way in but it's a beautiful imagery especially when he kills both raptors and the banner of when dinosaurs ruled the earth just delicately falls and he roars one last time. That is a wonderful punch gut to finish off her movie. It's very cinematic. It's beautiful. I love it. Hammond gives one last look at his creation as a helicopter leaves the island and flies off as we cut to black. I also love um, when they're running out of the atrium and they're jumping to the Jeep and uh, Dr. Grant tells John Hammond, uh, we have decided not to endorse your park. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> We're at the end of our adventure, our Jurassic adventure. What is your final thoughts, feelings on this movie? 
This movie holds a lot of nostalgia for me. Um, it's still one of my favorites. It's something I grew up watching. I'm obviously still very much a dinosaur aficionado, if you will. Um, so it holds a near and dear special place in my heart. Um, it has very few flaws, I want to say, aside from like the plot holes. It still holds up. The animation still holds up. The acting holds up. I think I'm gonna have to give this movie a five out of five. It's excellent. It's so good. <laughs> this movie's so good. I will watch this anytime that it's on. Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, Samuels. Like what? Hello? Like that's an excellent, it's, it's an excellent formula. Steven Spielberg, uh, quite honestly, at one of his best. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of plot holes and we poked every single one. But even with Ooh, poking with again, its, even with all of its plot holes, this movie doesn't feel aged to me at all. It just feels like it's its own little universe, and that's the universe it lives in, and that universe mm-hmm. deserves a five out of five. That it's yes. a five out of five. It's a five Woo! out of five type of day, honey. It. This is a wonderful movie, and this was an excellent, excellent summer getaway. It's a little hot for me, but it's fine. I love that you described it as like almost timeless in its own universe. Cause I think that's what allowed them to bring it back for Jurassic World. But we are now leaving the beautiful island of Isla Nuvar and headed up the coast. Are you ready to join us, Michael? We're oiling up our chest and spiking our bleached hair for one of 80s best. We are talking about Joel Schumacher's The Lost Boys from 1987. Join us. Join us, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Are y'all ready to go to the boardwalk of Santa Carla and visit (sighs) these hot goth vampires? This isn't this. I'm sorry. This is going to be like a spoiler for next week. I f***ing love The Lost Boys and I cannot wait to talk about it. You love the saxophone player in Lost Boys. Play my sax, Zaddy. Ow. Ew. <laughs> if you'd like to keep up with us, follow us on our Instagram at the Carpenter Queens. Our Twitter is at Carpenter Queens. My personal Instagram account is Nicholas Alexander Photography. My personal account is at STFU Ray. And that concludes this week's episode, y'all. Thank you for joining us. I hope you had a wonderful time in the cool waters you love the cool (laughs) waters it's hot bitch i love cool waters all right you don't have a pool let me live the fantasy she goes to the bathtub and just splashes around (laughs) i told you i did that for jaws i just threw a cup of water (laughs) i hope you enjoyed everybody we'll catch you guys on next week's episode catch you on the flip side y'all Bye, 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 bye.